Camden Yards, which Larry Lucchino jokingly refers to as his one original idea, changed the face of baseball and the place of sports facilities in U.S. cities. The renovation of Fenway Park not only preserved it as a baseball landmark, but also led to a reconsideration of what was possible for another Wrigley Field. Petco Park kept baseball in San Diego, and JetBlue Park in Fort Myers, Florida, unlocked the economic potential of spring training. So thick is Larry Lucchino's gilt-edged ballpark portfolio that his latest project, landing a $160 million stadium for the AAA team he now owns in Worcester, Massachusetts, feels a bit like a recognition that 75, it may be time to start slowing down. A suggestion that makes some close to him chuckle. We'll talk Camden Yards, Fenway Park, Worcester, and much, much more with 2021 SBJ champion selection Larry Lucchino on this episode of SBJ Unpacks. Well, Larry, thanks for joining us. Uh, a, a fascinating uh, couple of days that I got to spend with you. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it so much. Enjoyed hearing your story, and particularly enjoyed telling your story. I, I, I'm sure our readers are, are going to enjoy it. Thank you, Bill. We only have time on 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 this to to get into a few things, obviously. And one of the things I wanted to jump off jump in with was Camden Yards. And you know, you you joke uh, self-effacingly that it was your one original idea. We, we know that's not the case, but take, take me back to that original idea. You know, your old friend Charles tells the story of, of being in, a, in essence a, a bunker suite for the most part is what we would have called it today, right? With, uh, and watching the Red Sox-Mets 1986 World Series. Is that, is, is that right? Bring us, bring us back to that day. Well, it goes back even a little bit farther than that, uh, farther than that. It goes back to uh, actually the acquisition of the team in 1979 when Avery Ben Williams bought the Orioles. Now, he bought them um, at a time when they were, uh, it's very hard uh, to uh, acquire a professional baseball team. And it was uh, uh, his interest long term was to, uh, uh, see if the team would, were, was sustainable in Baltimore, and if it was not, to move it closer to Washington or into Washington. That was his original interest. One of the things uh, missing in Baltimore, of course, was a, uh, a ballpark that um, was uh, built in the, uh, well, the uh, Memorial Stadium, I think, was built in 1946 or 1948, and, and it was a old-style combination facility for both the Colts and the Orioles. And we did battle as much with the Colts as we did with the opposing teams. And uh, the uh, theory was that we needed a newer, better ballpark. And so we started thinking about that uh, early on. In fact, I remember going on vacation to uh, uh, Nantucket uh, right after we signed the, uh, uh, the deal or the, the lease in uh, 1988 and uh, while I was up there uh, Williams uh, called me and said you got to come back and take an airplane ride halfway between between you take an airplane ride between Baltimore and Washington and see if you can find some good site for a uh, for a new ballpark there so it'd been on his mind for some time the great joy of my life of course was working with him and having and him giving me the opportunity to design and build this ballpark and to uh, negotiate uh, a long-term lease uh, for for it at Camden. Um, So it really had been something that had been uh, 
developing throughout the 1980s. And in 1988, we signed a, uh, a lease uh, in May of 88. And, um, and then we began to uh, uh, turn to the specifics of design and development. That idea that you would that, that you would go away from that trend of the multi-purpose stadium, right? It was that's what everybody had done and had done then then at that point really for 20 years. I mean, you saw it firsthand growing up in Pittsburgh, right? You saw your beloved you beloved your beloved Forbes Field leveled. It was a little bit easier politically for people to accept that notion uh, that uh, they were building one facility. I remember when I suggested to Ed Williams that we build a baseball only facility. He kind of laughed at me. He said, we're having trouble getting one built and you want to build two at the same time. Let me see. He said, why don't you float that to, to various people, but whatever you do, keep my name out of it. They'll crucify me. They'll crucify you. He said, me, me, me. <laughs> but he wasn't right, was he? In, in that case, he was not right. I think the, uh, uh, the time was right. The situation was right. Remember the, the Colts had left in the middle of the night in 1983, so Baltimore was without a football team. So to make the compromises, architectural, operational, et cetera, that were necessary for a multi-purpose stadium in, for the possibility that a team might relocate to, uh, to Baltimore seemed like an uh, argument well worth making. We should not do that. It's interesting, you know, the, the, uh, in speaking with you so many times, we go back to Edward Bennett Williams, right? In so many, especially when we talked about philosophy, a lot of times it goes back to Edward Bennett Williams. Even to today, you know, you're as, 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 as owner of the club in, uh, in Worcester, the Red Sox AAA team, you, you talk about, you know, when, when I first asked you, how did you get here? You said, well, uh, you talked about the first time, which was at a Holy Cross football game with Edward Bennett Williams, right? He comes back so often as if he's there on your shoulder. He is he's there literally on my shoulder. His photograph is on the wall. I'll try to show it to you. I don't know if you can see it over there. Well, all right, he's over there. His photograph is up there to, it's a, to serve as a reminder that uh, my opportunities in sports came from him, from his uh, needs, from his uh, perception of my ability to fill those needs and from him opening the door. Now I had to uh, walk through the door with my own skills and, and, and um, characteristics, but I would not have been at the door had Ed Williams not uh, had, the, had the faith in me and given me the opportunity. So. For most of us, there are there is someone like that. Sometimes there are two or three people like that in in a person's life. But uh, uh, Ed provided the uh, the gift, the opportunity, and the uh, and the fun of uh, working in the world of sports. So I will never for, never forget him or the Williams family for that opportunity. It has been fun for you, hasn't it? It has been for the most part. I would say it has been fun. Although some of the most stressful things I've ever done have been to uh, participate in the acquisition of teams, uh, whether it's from the Williams estate or whether it was uh, uh, with uh, my partner, John Moores in San Diego, or whether it was with the uh, various partners, including um, uh, John Henry and Tom Werner in, uh, in uh, Boston. It's, uh, and, and including the easiest one of all proved to be the hardest ballpark to build. And that was probably Worcester 
because we got interested in that after the owner of the team for many, many, many years, Van Mondor, passed away. I was at that time the president and CEO of the Orioles, and I made the suggestion that we buy that team because I saw a trend developing uh, with major league teams having more and more to say and do with their minor league teams. And I thought that that would be a, a good acquisition for us. And it has proven to be uh, terrific for the Red Sox by, the, uh, by virtue of uh, the um, uh, plunging into Worcester, which is about an, an hour away from Fenway, but uh, has all the uh, uh, passion and support of Red Sox Nation uh, captured in it. Well, you've you've had an amazing run, of course, with the Red Sox, right? Four World Series championships uh, uh, over the course of, of that tenure, 14 years as, as, as president and CEO. But none of it is likely to happen were it not for the way that you approach Fenway Park, right? You, you, so many people at the time of that transaction, at the time of that purchase, we're saying, look, the ballpark just, it's just, it doesn't have the revenue capacity. There's so much that has to be done. Even if you wanted to do it, I don't know if you could do it. How did you view that going in? Because there it was less about what it was gonna look like and more about what had to be done and how it was gonna pay for itself. Well, there were six uh, groups that were interested in purchasing the uh, Red Sox when they became available in 2000, 2001, following the death of the Yankees. Um, we were the only team committed to staying in uh, at Fenway Park, which is kind of ironic because we were the uh, outside folks, uh, uh, albeit with lots of baseball experience. And maybe it's because of that, we had a greater appreciation for Fenway Park than the locals did because they didn't have the same perspective on all 30 ballparks that we did. While other folks, who were eager to buy the team, had real estate redevelopment in mind around Fenway or other, other goals. Our goal was uh, purely baseball and we wanted to acquire the Red Sox and to, uh, and to keep it right where it was because we thought we had the ability and Fenway had the capacity to be expanded and renovated. Um, I told you the first two people uh, that uh, I hired in the fall of 2001, as we were trying to buy the team, where uh, Jenna Marie Smith and Charles Steinberg, and uh, they had been with me in various other ballpark endeavors. And I knew our, our venture in Boston would not be successful unless we could find a way to do two things, to renovate Fenway successfully and to break the so-called curse of the Bambino. So it was always our plan to preserve Fenway as I said to Charles at one point, when he assumed that uh, maybe we would join the uh, parade and look for a new ballpark, I said, uh, you don't uh, tear down the Mona Lisa. And if you've got something that is as good and as popular and as historic as that, you try to preserve it. And Janet, who uh, is a preservationist, historic preservationist by nature, I knew I would have no problems uh, getting her to jump on board. You're a big believer in big ideas and, 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 in, and in thinking ways that people hadn't thought before. Well, it's nice to hear you say that. Uh, I sometimes think that when I close my eyes, I see a conventional basketball player who, uh, if it says, makes the cut, he makes the cut. And, uh, 
and uh, I've uh, I've tried to uh, live my life a little differently than that. I said that because if you think about it, seats atop the green monster, the things that you, that was just one and it was a small one. So many things you had to do to create revenue that were not things that initially came to people's minds, right? I mean, okay, we need to, well, where are you gonna put them? Well, you found a place. Well, there's an example of something that, uh, uh, success that has a thousand fathers, everyone from my uh, stepson to the mayor, to John Henry believes that uh, that idea was theirs. Of course, I uh, have my own feelings about it. The mayor said to us when we proposed it to him, oh, that's ridiculous. He said, uh, people love that uh, netting up there, that uh, uh, whatever it was, a wire basket. They love that. You, I'll let you do it because I want you guys to succeed if, uh, and do it the way you want to do it. But I guarantee in five years, you'll be coming back to me and say, can we take those seats out that are on top of the Green Monster? And now they are some of the most popular seats at Fenway Park and have been for the uh, almost 18 years that they've been there. One other thing I wanted to touch on with you, and that was your approach to the job, your approach to what it meant to be the CEO of a ball club, the president of a ball club. We now see a bifurcation, right, of roles. There are the business people and there are the baseball people. And that was not the way it was for you. How were you received over the years as you, as you continue to walk that path? Well, I do agree that uh, I was, uh, in 1988, when uh, Edward Ben Williams made me the president of the team, and in the years afterwards, I was a uh, full service uh, on both sides of the table, uh, president. I remember saying to people in 1988 that I will have a seat uh, at the table with respect to baseball matters, to be sure. And I never thought of it in any other way. Uh, but it was the, uh, uh, you know, the specialization of baseball in the uh, last few decades was really just beginning. It's um, uh, baseball used to be the preserve of. Uh, former players and uh, uh, guys in windbreakers. And, and uh, the players uh, were the first to, I think, professionalize their agency roles. And, the, and, uh, and baseball came along a little later. Now you're right, about half the team, maybe more, have a uh, president of baseball operations and a president of business operations. Uh, you can have that as long as you have a person uh, who's uh, working day to day, who has both in mind so that you don't uh, develop silos and uh, competition within the, or within the framework of the organization. Um, uh, Sandy Alderson, I point to as someone who was a, a full service, uh, and use, use that term, a full service president. Um, uh, there are a number of people, Stan Kasten uh, was and, and still is, uh, but uh, there are some, um, certainly if you look back, historically, the president played both roles, but he was often an owner. And, uh, but in, in recent years, there's been a change, a, a breaking down of responsibilities, a, a two-sided approach to operations. And uh, the uh, final word is yet to be written as to which, uh, which approach will be more successful. 
it'll probably take another decade or two to look back on this time and see uh, and see which way it works. But um, I know I was a baseball fan as well as a uh, potential executive. So to be divorced entirely from baseball matters was not something that I was uh, much interested in. And uh, I, my mentor, of course, was Edward Bennett Williams, who as an owner uh, had an interest in both sides as well. And he appointed me, so it was natural that I would look to uh, be involved in both sides. I said I would sit at the baseball table. I would not be sitting at the head of the baseball table, but I would have an opinion. And given the financial implications of so many acquisitions, it was um, uh, initially uh, well accepted. Uh, but um, over time, it became uh, 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 baseball headed more towards this uh, bifurcated world. So before we leave you, catch us up. How are you? Uh, how are you adjusting to life as uh, life as a, as a minor league owner and all the with that? I do. Uh, I am the principal owner of the team, and uh, and um, that's a little different. But I can't take the uh, work ethic out of me. Uh, uh, I still uh, work at it very hard. I was joking to someone recently that if I had a paper route. I probably throw an all-nighter or two on the paper route just because that's that's my character as opposed to my uh, uh, circumstance. Uh, uh, I enjoy it quite a lot. Last night uh, I was watching uh, the uh, Woosox game in uh, Lehigh Valley on my computer while I had the Red Sox-Yankee game in Fenway Park on television. So uh, it was... Uh, it's a plateful, but I enjoy it very much. Uh, I must say, I'm uh, eager to uh, to, uh, to work a little bit less, perhaps in the years ahead. But uh, I love the uh, the uh, the work side. Maybe it's my family, maybe it's my city, in Pittsburgh or uh, whatever it is. Maybe it's my circumstances, but I've developed a pretty keen work ethic. And I'm happiest uh, when I'm able to uh, to do it. And certainly, I can uh, I uh, modulate my interest in the Red Sox, which is uh, both uh, personal and uh, financial. And uh, with the, my interest in the uh, Woo Sox or the uh, Worcester Red Sox, uh, which is um, both personal and financial. And uh, and uh, I've got a lot uh, a lot to do. It's very challenging still. And, uh, and very uh, gratifying. Well, Larry Latino, thanks so much for sharing your story, our latest champion. It's been a pleasure to tell it and, uh, and, and spend time with you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Bill. It's been fun to sort of walk down memory lane with you. <laughs>